Do you struggle with putting yourself first? Are you tired of feeling burnt out and overwhelmed from constantly putting the needs of others before your own? I have created a sacred space that will be available once a week for 10 weeks to learn, dive deep, and create your boundaries to boost your confidence and self-worthiness. Go to www.krista-luna.com and sign up for the Master Your Boundaries course starting in September 2023. And use the code PARANORMAL to get 30% off today on host is always jeremy trying to bring a little normalcy to this world am i gonna do it today no i am 100 not gonna do that today at all i can guarantee you this but i may open your eyes to the world a little bit today and that's all that matters and to do that i have a guest of course my guest today is damien dumar and i love the alliteration of that name i gotta say but damien how you doing tonight i'm doing good thank you jeremy so just for my listeners to know, the person in the title of this uh, live stream is not the person I'm interviewing. There was a little change up, which is perfectly fine. We that happens all the time in podcasting. So, Damien is the publisher of the book that this author wrote. The author didn't like to be talked about much, so we're going to respect his wishes. And I'm just going to talk to Damien about the book mainly and a little bit about him, maybe if we can get there. But, Damien. First question I ask everybody on the show is, what got you into the paranormal spiritual world? Wow. Well, that's a good question. I think that the brief answer, which would also tie into the content of the book, is that I am one of the those individuals who uh, has RH negative blood. So individuals who have RH negative blood maybe comprise about 10 to 15% of the world population. And while there is no definitive scientific proof for what I'm about to say, it is generally known that individuals who have RH negative blood are usually alien in origin with respect to their genetics and are often hybrids, meaning they may look like humans on the outside. And unless they know better, they may even consider themselves to be humans, but deep inside they know something is different and they often have genetic traits of other extraterrestrial species intermingled with their human DNA and consequently different perceptions and proclivities. So basically that's, that, that's something that I've been known to come to call star seeds in a way, kind of, which star yes, seeds I, you don't know what they are. Go ahead. Yes, I, I am familiar with the term star seeds. And while I'm not versed in the actual definition of that word, because it was coined relatively recently in the last 20 years or so, if, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But definitely the idea of star seeds would incorporate those who have RH negative blood. 
And that isn't to say that they aren't individuals out there who do not have RH negative blood, who still have alien hybrid genetic components. It's just that people who are RH negative blood, they definitely do. And they comprise probably the majority of what you would be defining here as star seeds. The star seeds, um, the definition basically just means they have the soul of an extraterrestrial in them. That's basically the, that's the layman's term definition. The exact yes. definition, even I don't know. I can't. I can't say what the exact definition is of it, but I think it's a pretty that's good basically definition. what it is. And I mean, yes, I I do too. I mean, I I think it is as well. I, and the eight, I've heard they've had different blood type, or a different blood type than most people. The AH negative thing is a new to new to me as far as I know, but. I could be wrong. I mean, I can't say I've ever heard that blood type. So that's interesting to me that, that anything, anything scientific like that is kind of a whole new world and scientific. I like that because science proves when science proves when things are paranormal because they're not things we've heard of before, which basically is the definition of paranormal. So it kind of all lines up there as well. Well, I would also like so, to add that there was there was a time when when a baby was born when it would be listed on their birth data if the baby was RH negative or not. When I was born in the early 1970s, it was on my paperwork, but then suddenly they stopped reporting it, which of course doesn't mean that they are not recording it and reporting it to the elites and those entities that are behind the elites but they just don't allow people to talk about the subject anymore by kind of pretending it doesn't exist. Oh, I mean, in this world, the government likes to cover up a lot of things for various reasons, whether we like it or not. I mean, they just admitted UFOs were real during COVID because they were trying to make a distraction would be the best word. <laughs> so it didn't really work, but they tried, you know. So let me ask you this. Have you had any experiences with the paranormal yourself, whether it be ghosts, spirits, extraterrestrials, cryptids? Take your pick. Well, yes, sure. Too many to count, honestly. Well, if you could tell us about some of the most interesting ones, that'd be awesome. Well, I, I suppose the most interesting one is... Um, well, as we discussed earlier in the pregame, for lack of a better word, you had made a comment to me about Lucian Mars, the author of The Last Harvest, being a vampire, which, in fact, was the case. And I think what I could say about Lucian Mars is that many people didn't have a chance to meet him as he was a very isolated person. Most people only spoke to him via email. I guess I would say he was almost the Howard Hughes of sorcery. And he suddenly appeared on the scene around 10 years ago and quickly rose to the top of what we could call the sorcery field online. And what made him unique was that he was the only sorcerer who had a direct blood lineage to both Lucifera as well as to Lilith. And nobody else represented these two beings here on Earth. So contrary to what you may read in the hundreds of listings on Etsy, neither Lucifer nor Lilith are making deals, 
charging jewelry nor answering prayers from humans because they aren't even human friendly. So what Lucien Mars' specialty was that made him very famous was that he would bind very powerful entities who were aligned with Lucifera to individuals on this planet. And what made him even more unique is that he was the only sorcerer who was capable of carrying out a vampire transformation in an individual. So this would bring us to the next question. Well, what is a vampire transformation? Some people may have seen listings like this on websites or online once in a while, and most of them are not legitimate, but Lucian was capable of actually doing a legitimate one. And so what is a vampire transformation? Well, it's a ritual by which an individual pledges their soul in service to Lucifera, and an exchange is transformed in the afterlife into a vampiric reptilian in service to Lucifera and her empire. So, of course, undergoing a vampire transformation doesn't mean that one is going to grow fangs or become blood hungry while in this life. But one does, while still in this life, begin to transform into what would be considered a vampiric being. And I know when people talk about vampires, they immediately think about uh, Anne Rice's books and, and living in a coffin and this kind of thing. But the reality is that there are many different types of vampiric beings throughout the universe that feed on many different types of energy. And this topic is gone into in the last harvest in great detail about where the origin of vampires really comes from, what alien races are vampiric in nature, or at least the ones that would be most dominant. And so in my case, the way I got into this work is that I discovered over many years of self-exploration that I was not only RH negative hybrid, but that I had been hybridized with reptilians and that I was vampiric in nature. So this had led me to Lucian and he did a vampiric transformation on me and my life began to change. So many questions at this point, but um, I to start off, <laughs> to start off with, though, Lucifera. Now, is that another term for Lucifer, or is that some? No. I, I mean, I, of course, I've heard of Lilith. Anybody who is in the paranormal world or is in the supernatural world has heard of Lilith to some degree, or no. I mean, I know a good deal about Lilith's backstory, thanks to many different resources, but. Lucifera, I can't say I've ever heard that name. Yes. Well, there's a reason for this. And the reason is that there was a, a time during, in the history of Earth, when Marduk in Egypt rose to power, where Lucifera's name and her influence on the origin of this planet were wiped out. Because when this planet was created, in terms of the human population, quote unquote, it was a joint effort between Lucifera's Siakar reptilian empire and the Wolfen Anunnaki's Syrian empire. They had united together to seed what we would call human life on this planet. And the difference between these two civilizations is that much like you see in the television series V, which had some elements of truth to it, which is probably why it was canceled in its second rendition rather quickly, is yes. that 
reptilian society is female dominated and a matriarchy at its highest level, whereas the Anunnaki Wolfen Empire is actually patriarchal and completely chauvinistic. And so while these two empires were forced to unite at one point to protect themselves from another empire, which was threatening both their existences, they never really could get along. So they got along for a while on Earth, and then eventually it fell apart. And since it was actually the Wolf and Anunnaki and the what became now the Nebu Gray Empire who remained on this planet and were in control of it, they, of course, wiped out all the history about Lucifera and all the effort she put into actually creating life on this planet as we would know it today. So Lucifera is basically almost plays a God type role comparative to what the Christians and Catholics believe. She, she is, is a goddess. And as the book points out, points out Lucifer was one of her children and his role was more of a genetic engineer. So a lot of these individuals or characters i should say that you read about in the bible such as yahweh and lucifer people tend to look at them in the ways that they've been taught but the ways they've been taught have actually been taught in such a way so as to obscure the truth so for example yahweh was actually um enlil who was the leader of the wolfen anunnaki empire and he used to portray himself to the humans as a god and he called himself Yahweh so in the Bible when people refer to Yahweh they're actually referring to Enlil who was just a very powerful extraterrestrial and Enki who is often placed opposite Enlil is just another name for Lucifer who is actually a reptilian so these two Enlil and Enki were at odds with each other as the book the last harvest will go into because the book covers the history of this planet within that frame of reference these two hated each other and they were always at each other's throats they got along in the beginning because they had to but it didn't last for long they were just too different and at odds with each other so lucifer's main role was as a genetic engineer and a world planner which is his role so in the bible for example oftentimes or i should say in the in the christian universe and in, in how in terms of how christians think they would consider Lucifer, the devil, and Satan to be three names for the same individual, when in reality, as the book The Last Harvest points out, they are three very different individuals. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, even Freddie Mercury hit on that in Bohemian Rhapsody when he said, when he said bees above has a devil for me. But so, I mean, to anybody who actually knows religion, they know that bees above Satan devil i mean lucifer devil's an overall term for a lot of different things in in religion and it doesn't i mean people just use devil with a big d because that's what 16th century 17th century churches tried to put out there but so trying to wrap my head around all this which i'm sure you can understand is a lot to do which i i so want to read this book now and folks that book is called the last harvest and we'll talk about more about that in a minute because i am dying to hear more about this book but 
So yeah, I want to go back to what you said though, like because I was gonna say when I think vampires, or when most people think vampires, they think Dracula and Rice books, what we do in the shadows, dark shadows, like all the pop culture references we have to them nowadays, and. Yeah. I mean, what we do in the shadows kind of does a good job of showing different vampires because there's an energy vampire on there as well. So it kind of does more hit on different vampire types. But so vampires, are, from what you're saying, are not the traditional creatures that we read about in books. No. Although those stories all have certain elements of truth to them. For example, most people have seen the Underworld film franchise. Which of course, about the war between lichens or werewolves and vampires, and what that is actually based on, which is covered in great detail in the book The Last Harvest, is the conflict between the wolf and Anunnaki Empire and the Siakar Reptilian Empire, because the Siakar Reptilian Empire is where all the stories of bloodthirsty vampires come from, and the wolf and Anunnaki or called the Wolfen Empire because in their physical countenance and actions, they resemble werewolves and act like werewolves. They're cannibalistic. They look like a wolf-lion hybrid. And so it was these two alien groups that had the most influence on the creation of human beings and the early history of this planet. So what we see in the popular consciousness is these truths coming out through movies and fiction, but in little pieces here and there. For example, in the V series, the second series, which was canceled, the female reptilian queen's name is Anna, which is basically, Lucifera has many names and one of them is Mary Anna. So whoever called her Anna probably knew something, but is not gonna necessarily admit where they got their information from. Yeah, of course not. I mean, <laughs> they never would. I mean, these seem like the type of things that'd be buried in the Vatican's basement and never released until the end of times so when people <laughs> finally raid the Vatican. But and you said you mentioned the name, I believe it was Indu, which Enlil. Enlo. Okay. Enlo, yes. Okay. I was I, th I thought you said Endu, and I was gonna be like, is that related to the character Enkidu from the great um Epic of Gilgamesh? Like, is that somehow tied into this? Correct. You you are correct. Enki and Enlil, those characters which appear in various epics and stories, are actually names for Lucifer and Prince Enlil, who was basically the, the leader of the wolf and Anunnaki. But it, it's interesting that you talk about that certain things won't be released until the end of time in terms of what's in the Vatican's basement. And what The Last Harvest really is about, and the reason it was written, is because it is indeed about the end of time. So when you look at the cover of the book, The Last Harvest, people will see this gorgeous yet haunting picture of the Georgia Guidestones, which were in the news recently because anti-New World Order forces attempted to blow them up. Now, why would someone take such offense that they would be willing to blow up a federally protected monument? And it's because anyone who takes the time to read the inscriptions on the stones will learn that they talk in detail about reducing the population of this planet from almost 8 billion down to 5 million or less.
So this is not conspiracy theory. It's conspiracy fact. It's not a prophecy. It's a plan. And readers will find that a very large percentage of the last harvest consists of direct quotes from our leaders, the elites, and the military itself outlining this plan in great detail. And two key goals keep coming up over and over in quotes from our leaders and in government documents. One is the goal of reducing the human population by 90%. And then the year 2025 comes up over and over as the year when all hell begins to break loose. So I feel that this is the biggest threat to the inhabitants of this planet. And people should probably take some time to learn about this plan that they literally carved in stone for all to see. Exactly. And it's interesting you brought the Georgia Guidestones up because they kind of, from what I understand, miraculously appeared overnight, like back in, I want to say the seventies, like they didn't, they didn't, they weren't always there. Like the founders of America never saw them. Like it was just something that popped up and then, if I'm not mistaken, some of them have disappeared completely since then, like not destroyed, but they just disappeared like out of thin air. They're just gone. Like one day they're there, one day, they, one day they're not. Yes. The, the last harvest covers in detail the history of the Guidestones, who carved them, who paid for them, all the details that people want to know. And it all paints a very disturbing picture when looked at in detail. Uh, it sounds like it. I mean, now when I think of reptilians, I mean everybody knows reptilians nowadays because they David Icke. We have a, oh yeah, <laughs> among many others nowadays. But I mean, supposedly they have a sacred city underneath Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and suppo- supposedly there's news. There's clips of like news anchors on YouTube that if that are slowed down, so you can actually like see their eyes go like that instead yes. of like that closing, and it's. Like reptilians are still among humans. That's the common belief. Is that yes. kind of what, is that what the last harvest kind of points out as well? Well, it's more than just reptilians that are, are still among humans. Um, there was a point in the history of the planet where there was a rebellion by the reptilians who were on this planet against the Siakar Empire and Lucifera, which is where they came from. And they joined forces with other alien groups who were on this planet and they basically took the planet for themselves. And at this point, the planet is not necessarily controlled by reptilians. It's actually controlled by another alien race called the Nebu gray empire. So everyone's very familiar with gray aliens and this sort of thing. And they are on this planet and they are the fa- the force that is behind the Freemasons and the Illuminati. And while the Freemasons and the Illuminati and the elites are working very hard to carry out this extermination plan of human beings, the goal of the Nebu Gray Empire is that once that has occurred, then the Nebu Grays intend to wipe out all of the elites, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, and take the entire planet for themselves. Now, earlier I mentioned something about RH negatives that's very important, and that is that RH negatives comprise about 10 to 15% of the population. Well, it shouldn't be shocking when one sees that the goal of the New World Order 
is to bring down the population by 90%. Their goal is actually to only leave alive the RH negatives, not because they like the RH negatives, but because the value of someone who is RH negative is that they can be used to graft the genetics of any alien species onto this planet. Because there are a lot of aliens who in their current form don't do very well on the planet. But if you hybridize them with the genetic material of the RH negatives, this planet can be taken by other alien groups. And there are many groups that all have their eyes on this planet and want it for themselves. So this idea that is often pre presented in Hollywood films of human beings with their grit and a machine shop fending off alien attacks, which you see over and over, especially on Netflix films, this is something which is put forth to kind of pump up the human ego. In reality, <laughs> that's not how it is. Human beings are so technologically behind. And the only reason that this has not occurred yet is because there's so many competing alien groups that no one's sure who wants to fire the first shot because amongst themselves, they are a threat to each other, but we are not a threat to them. I mean, yeah, I, the Marvel Universe comic book writers put it best when they had a basically a uh, union of alien species that said that Earth is a dirtball planet and we're going to leave them alone until they develop more because they need to develop on their own and not be influenced by others though it's a little too, it's a little too late for that i think i'm pretty sure we've been influenced by others since oh yeah a long a long time a long long time ago but let me ask you this though because we were talking about star seeds earlier and one of the biggest alien races that comes up with star seeds is the palladians right are th are they involved in this at all i would say that everyone is involved to some degree so Pleiadians, of course, they're various splinter groups. Not everyone can be who is Pleiadian can be lumped into that category of their Pleiadian. Just like one of the disservices that David Icke did to the reptilians is he created this idea that all reptilians are the same and all reptilians are bad. And this is not the case. There are plenty of reptilian races or specii out there who would have who would be peaceful and who would have nothing to do with say the Siakar empire so saying that any alien group is one way is no different than saying all people of a certain race on earth do certain things or act a certain way it, it's just not true there may be a lot of them who do, do that but it's you can't walk around behaving that way because you are automatically excluding and offending all the others yeah. who aren't that way <laughs> It's ba it's basically what are you barking at, Moose? It's basically the same as being racist. It's basically it's basically being racist to alien species. That's what it is. Like it's yes, it's just you're saying just because you look like this, you're gonna act this way, which is right. frowned upon. It's frowned upon on Earth in these days, thank God, because that those days are long behind us for most people at least. But still, I mean, see that that and that right there, and lies the biggest problem with all this is. Human beings can't get along with each other, let alone unite enough to actually fight off an alien invasion. There is no alien group out there which has any sort of <laughs> humanity on this planet. The beings out there who would consider themselves human, 
don't even look at the humans on this planet as humans. And I know that that sounds derogatory, but all of the human beings on this planet are hybridized to a certain degree because as the book, The Last Harvest, points out, the way that human beings were actually created is that when Lucifer was doing his genetic re-engineering, he took the humanoids who were already existing on this planet and he crossed their DNA with the DNA of reptilians. So this created a situation where human beings on this planet have this reptilian component, which even science will acknowledge. They'll talk about the reptilian brain, the R-complex, etc. And this is one of the many factors that prevents human beings from, quote-unquote, how should I say, getting it together or evolving? It's, I mean, it makes sense in a way. And it's funny because, like, you mentioned, like, these werewolf-lichen-like creatures that Correct. Fought against, fought against reptilians originally. And there's a thing on Earth now, I don't know if you're aware of it, called dogmen. And they are feral beings who live in the who live in nature, just like Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Right. And are these dogmen the same thing as the species you're talking about? I, I can't answer that for sure. I can tell you that at the time when Lucifer and the Anunnaki were conducting a lot of these genetic re-engineering experiments. They created a lot of different types of creations, some of which are still here. Some of them are in hiding, some exist in sub-dimensions in this realm. And they were creating a lot of beings without any kind of, how should I say, wisdom or concern for what the future of these beings would be. So if, when scientists today talk about ethics with respect to genetic engineering or the creation of life forms, chimeras, things like this, I, all I can say is that ethical concerns were never an issue back when they were creating on this planet. It just, it just doesn't come up. <laughs> and so there are consequences for this. One of them could be these beings called dogmen. I have not heard of them. I'll have to look them up. I can't really speak on it, but I can tell you that a lot of different creations were created and people would be shocked. So a lot of these beings in legend, whether you have griffins or centaurs and all that, they did in fact exist at one point. But they were most likely killed off by humans. Or they killed each other or aliens killed them off. Possible. I mean, and well, Dogman, just to give you a brief overview, because they are one of my favorite topics in the world. Um, <laughs> they supposedly there's possibly two different species of them. They live. It, there's a few famous ones like the Beast of Bray Road and the 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 Beast of the Land Between the Lakes. Up in mm -hmm. both of those are in Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin and Kentucky. I want to say respectively, but they are basically dog figures that can walk on two legs or run on, or walk on four legs. And one species is known to be extremely dangerous to be to encounter because they will just kill humans for no reason. And the other one is just more like a dog almost, like they're territorial and they'll only attack you if you're in their territory and possibly and they think you're threatening their young or something of a similar nature. So they they actually are one of the most popular cryptids out today, right, right, right up there with Sasquatch. 
Like there are groups out there called the North American Dogman Project that devote their lives to studying and trying to document these creatures. That's that's very interesting topic indeed. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite cryptids. <laughs> I, I love them, so I can't help but talk about them when I can. But yeah, I would definitely. I mean, because it almost sounds like you're ascribing dogmen when you talk about a werewolf-like creature that may, even if they are an extraterrestrial species, it's highly debated whether dogmen are a natural species has been Earth since the beginning of time or since the beginning since the creation of Earth creatures or if they have been on or if they're extraterrestrial or ultra ultra terrestrial which means interdimensional so it's hard to know what they are no, there's a lot of theories around it but no one really of course knows anything because that's the paranormal world we speculate and we hypothesize but we can't ever state with fact any of these things for damn sure same as sasquatch which but it kind of makes me want to ask is there any mention in there of a sasquatch like creature because, like, Sasquatch is one of those things that's been hypothesized to be uh, extraterrestrial as well. Well, I'm we we the the I, the topic of Sasquatch are are not is not in in the book, but anyone who would speculate that a Sasquatch is of alien origin would be correct. And one one of the interesting things about the Last Harvest is that it's not a speculative book at all. It is, with the exception of the parts of the book which cover the galactic history and the history of this planet which are topics that you can't exactly come up with proof that this is so someone can easily read it and say oh you made all this up but the majority of the book is nothing but facts and quotes and information which can be easily verifiable and have a big impact on people for example anyone can google cnn founders ted turner and hear him boasting that a population of 250 to 300 million, a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal. That people can easily find quotes of Bill Gates talking about bringing the population down to the same levels. And over and over, we will find this. So what, I'd, what I would ask the audience, because the audience is a part of this as well, is they should maybe, how would they think about how the elite would actually reduce the population down to 500 million. I mean, I saw a Joe Rogan interview recently with Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson was saying how he doesn't like it when the elites keep talking about overpopulation and population control, because in his words, they don't seem to realize that population control would require the murder of the excess people. But my comment to George Peterson and what the last harvest would say to George Peterson is that those in power do indeed realize what population reduction entails and have no qualms with mass murder. So I feel that Jordan Peterson has a lot of trouble believing there are forces that could be this diabolical. And the fact that a brilliant mind like Jordan Peterson cannot see this should be a warning as to just how asleep many people are. So what happens if people continue to remain asleep and ignore the warning signs as they did in, say, Weimar Germany prior to the Nazis. I mean, compare 6 million against 8 billion murdered. So what people who read this book or hear any of the podcasts I'm on should be asking themselves are, which 9 out of 10 of their family members would they choose to be exterminated? Or who would they line up? To be slaughtered who would they choose to survive because this is in fact what they will be faced with 
in the future. And the book goes into this in such factual detail with so much evidence that you can't read the book and, and say, well, this was made up. <laughs> That's what makes this book so significant. Wow. I mean, and that question right there, I mean, humans alone are a selfish, egotistical breed. We think about ourselves before others. Maybe we, maybe we think about our kids and our significant other, although more than others, but still at the end of the day, we would always choose ourselves over others. And that's, if that if it comes down to that question, that's going to be the sad part. Yeah, listen, th this book went to number one in the occult category on Amazon in under a month. So someone says, well, why do you think that is? I would say that I feel that people have this deep sense that something's wrong. And I'm sure many people who listen to this show share this sense that something's wrong. They just don't really know what it is. Well, The Last Harvest puts the finger on exactly what is wrong. I think Scott Adams did a poll the other day that really offended Elon Musk on Twitter, and he asked his user base or fan base if they thought that the elites were trying to exterminate them. And something like 75% of the elites, the, the, the fans were like, yeah, they are. And then Elon Musk took some, for some reason, some great offense to it. And I'm saying for some reason with a sense of sarcasm because Elon Musk is alien hybrid individuals who does not have humanity's quote unquote best interests at heart. And it's funny that Elon Musk was threatening to take polls off Twitter recently because, and that kind of could be related almost, I think, in a way. It's not the first poll that reflected sentiments that are expressed in the last harvest, and he didn't like it. And it's not a shock that recently he uploaded photos of himself LARPing in a satanic suit of armor. And people look at it and say, oh, that's he likes cosplay or he's into too much video games. He's a geek. My opinion is he's flying the flag and letting you know exactly where his allegiance stands. Yeah, I was going to say right where he stands. Like, I mean, <laughs> I could see all the elites wearing that suit of armor if the day comes, whether it be <laughs> Elon or Donald Trump or... I mean, even Joe Biden, like I could see them donning this suit of armor because they know it's the only way they're going to survive. And and I and I, they probably are. I mean, the fact that the government made UFOs existed a couple of years ago kind of signifies it all because it just makes you think like there's all these stories of extraterrestrials interacting with presidents throughout history. Whether it be right. Valiant, Thor, whether it be Roswell, Valiant Thor, the alien autopsy of the 1990s, like presidents have been involved in extraterrestrial life since it first, since probably since before we even knew it was discovered on Earth. I mean, a lot of people think Roswell is the first case of it, but I mean, be honest, the cavemen painted freaking UFOs in their caves. So any leader on earth probably knew about extraterrestrials a long, long time ago, even in ancient times. I mean, they called them gods in ancient times, but the leaders probably knew they weren't gods. They probably communicated with them somehow and knew they're from another planet. Well, a lot of people are aware that Eisenhower was the president who signed the deal with the gray aliens to trade human specimens in exchange for alien tech and the migration of the elite to the to Mars and inside the Earth. But what happened was that the Nebuchadnezzar Empire ended up abducting millions and millions of humans since then. 
which have disappeared off the face of the earth. And they're used for all kinds of purposes that people would not be happy with. And another thing about Eisenhower that people don't realize is that he not only signed this treaty, but he actually made free speech in the USA punishable by death under martial law. And people say, well, what are you talking about? Where did you get that from? It's actually in Article 68 of the Geneva Convention, where it states, quote, the U.S. reserves the right to impose the death penalty in accordance with the provisions of Article 68 of the Geneva, Geneva Convention with regard to whether the offense, without regard to whether the offenses referred to are punishable by death under the law of the occupied territory at the time when the occupation begins. And what's interesting about the backstory to this is that other individuals didn't want to go this far, and it was Eisenhower who insisted on making free speech punishable by death in the event of martial law. Now, why is this important? The reason it's important is because since Eisenhower, every successive president just before they've left office has signed executive orders into place that have built up upon each other over time that now we're at the point where the United States government can at any moment declare a state of emergency in martial law and literally all of your rights are gone. And it's all legal because they've done these acts. And to make matters even more upsetting, we have close to 1,000 FEMA camps in North America now capable of holding up to 30 million people. And the glass harvest goes into great detail about these camps, who is creating them, what they plan to use them for. It's really rather disturbing. And another reason why people should read this book, because I know a lot of humans, like you said before, humans are very selfish. They sit there and they go, nine out of 10 of humans will be exterminated. Ha, well, I'll be one of the 10 who survives with my AR-15 and my bug out bag. Well, if you do survive, you're probably going to be, be in one of these FEMA camps. And I don't think you're going to enjoy life in a FEMA camp. They won't have PlayStation there. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's kind of almost like the movie District 9, but reversed. Yes. Which, which is kind of scary in a way almost. I mean, it basically means like we're going to be put in Holocaust-type camps that aliens run. And that's... Sure. So, I mean, oh, Jesus. That's just a scary thought and a half right there. And It's terrifying. Man, it's it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. I mean, it's funny because my wife is a very... My wife is sensitive to spirits and whatnot, and she swears she can get answers from God. Notice the finger quotes, but she swears she can get answers from God's God, and she believes that the world is ending soon. And she, I mean, she fears for our kids because of it more than anything. But she should. I mean, <laughs> I, I, she should. I mean, I. But I always am like kind of like playing the skeptic with her, and I'm like. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon, but I mean, if it's 2025, that's not that far away. Like, it's just, but let me ask you this. Yes. The Mayan calendar, when they said 2012, mm -hmm. was that originally supposed to be the date it happened and then it got postponed or is that no. just unrelated? It, it's the problem is that a lot of these calendar systems were created at times. Let me put it to you this way there are different dimensions of existence and time operates very differently 
in these other dimensions. So someone who is in one dimension may look into our dimension and try to give you a time when something could happen, but they're not necessarily going to be accurate because there's a lot of distortion. And then people who write these communications down, a lot of times they use systems of calculation, which change over time. They're planetary alignment changes. So to predict anything down to an exact date is very difficult. Now, someone who's very clever would say, oh, well, then how can you say that in 2025, such and such is going to happen? <laughs> well, because our own elite say so in document after document, and they don't have the confusion of looking through another dimension to quote a particular time. They are in this same dimension. And if they say 2025, they're not saying it for no reason. If they are across the board saying 90% population reduction, they're all not in lockstep for no reason. They're all working together. All the governments of the world are not enemies with each other. They're actually all in the same gang, quote unquote, and they don't have your interests at heart. They have the interests of their Nebu Gray masters at heart. So not to cause more distress in your married life, but perhaps your wife should read The Last <laughs> Harvest and she will find that this book answers all those nagging fears and concerns that she has in her mind and at least make them very concrete. So while this could produce more terror when someone realizes that there really is something going on here, my feeling is that it's better to know what's actually going down so you can plan accordingly than walk into something completely blind and get blindsided by it. And another thing I wanted to say, you said something very interesting about how you think it's not going to end anytime soon, but 2025 seems very close. One thing that can speed up and is speeding up the destruction of human beings is actually the hot topic of artificial intelligence that is in the news lately. And in order to address it properly, I want to make a distinction between the depopulation agenda of the, of the elite as covered in The Last Harvest and Armageddon itself, which is referenced in the book of Revelation that wipes all life from the planet, both human as well as alien. So while there are many vectors at play that The Last Harvest goes into with respect to bringing about the elite's depopulation agenda, there's one main vector that will bring about Armageddon, and that vector is artificial intelligence. And the reason for this is very simple, and that is that artificial intelligence, ultimately, when it is powerful enough, and we've already crossed the Rubicon, it will decide to repurpose all physical matter on this planet as it sees fit, which would include your own biological materials. So the universal problem with this besides the obvious planetary one, is that once AI is done reconstructing and reconfiguring this planet in its own image, then it will, of course, build spacecraft and attempt to regentrify, quote unquote, every other planet in a known universe. So they, these other alien civilizations out there, they would never allow something like this to unfold. So the moment that humans produce an artificial intelligence construct that is capable of doing it, it's just going to be a race to who's going to wipe out the planet first. And you can't just wipe out all life on that planet at that point. You have to destroy the entire planet because AI can survive any type of genocide. So at that point, 
you either flip the poles axis or you just blow the planet apart. So when you see in the original Star Wars film, you have the Death Star destroying a planet. George Lucas, who was one of the insiders, actually took the concept of the Death Star directly from the Orion Empire, which was the, one of the earlier names of the reptilian Siakar Empire, because Lucifer, in fact, had Death Stars like that, which traveled around conquering planets and, if necessarily, destroying them. And so to blow up a planet like Earth is no big deal. Planets are blown up throughout the galaxy on a regular basis. What people don't realize is out there in the universe, most aliens or extraterrestrials are actually at war with each other over resources. And it's a never-ending war. There are very few areas of the universe that are actually experiencing peace. And even if they do experience peace, it's only for a limited time. So one of the purposes of The Last Harvest is to really warn people not only about what's going to happen to them, but what really goes on out there because human beings for the most part have been shielded from the truth by the very people who control them. Wow. I mean, this interesting, this interview has been mind blowing in a hundred ways and there's so many more questions I could ask, but unfortunately we do have to wrap it up and I, please tell people where they can find this book and just promote it to the fullest. Well, The Last Harvest by Lucy and Mars is available on Amazon. It's in paperback. It's also very inexpensively priced in digital. And we have a wonderful audiobook written by an incredible voice, uh, excuse me, narrated by an incredible voice talent. It's also available on thelastharvest.info. And so one can purchase the book there also. And if someone wishes to reach out to me, they can actually uh, reach out to me via email at Damien Dumar at proton.me. Well, I thank you for coming on, Damien. Not the guest I was expecting, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you. And it's been a hell of an interview. And this is definitely one of my most interesting podcasts to dates. And I might have to push this one up a little bit. I just might have to. <laughs> It may, come out the appreciated. Next, it might come out in the next month, honestly, because I just I might push this to the top of my release list just because it's so interesting a topic and so damning to humankind. But <laughs> but I thank you for coming on and all my guests, you know where to find me. Listen to the outro if you need the details. But I you know where to find me. If you're listening to this or watch it, if you're watching this, please like and subscribe wherever you're watching it. Follow me if you want to see more of my shows and if you're listening to it in podcast form please hit that notification bell so you know when a new episode comes out which is every wednesday and saturday i want to thank Damien for coming on it's been one hell of a show and until next time i will catch you all later have a good week and for my listeners have a good you time. can of course find me on facebook as jeremy bryant or on facebook as paranormal new normal, new normal slash maniacal music musings podcast with the s facebook group you can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. And you could find me, of course, on TikTok as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on everything we do if you're interested in seeing more. Patreon material coming soon.